Welcome to Your Photography Mentor Podcast, a podcast dedicated to help you achieve your photography dreams, whether you're just starting out or you're a seasoned pro. Now here's your hosts, David Molnar and Rich Coleman. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm here today with what feels like an old buddy, but like a new old buddy. A new, a new old friend. I don't know if that makes sense. We were talking before we went live because we talk for that whole ten minute outro. We're just shooting the chat. So uh, I'm excited. Hey Debbie. Hey Nanette. Hey Kavita. Hey Eric. Um, hey Lori. Gosh, you guys are all over the place this morning from Utah, California, from everywhere, South Carolina, Cary, North Carolina. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I just want to let you guys know right off the bat that today is going to be an awesome little podcast. And we're going to give away a one terabyte solid state hard drive that honestly I feel like every photographer should have. And you're going to get that just for sharing. So literally hit the share button. It's somewhere around here. Just share this podcast to your page and somebody's going to win a one terabyte SSD drive just for being awesome. Does that sound like a good idea, Brian? It sounds like an awesome idea. Sweet. So share away, and at the end of the podcast, we're going to give that away. I'm excited because I have. Yep, we're going to give away that thing right there. I, mine's plugged into my computer, and I'm afraid to like just like cold, cold unplug it, even Oof. though it'd probably be fine because nothing's spinning. Anyway, we talked a couple weeks ago about the difference between solid state, and we had um, a guy that like works for NASA talk about spinning drives versus solid state drives. The smartest guy in the world. I'm pretty techie and it made my brain melt. Like he's the kind of guy that could build a real lightsaber. Like that's him. So <laughs> I'm here with a photographer that I have personally looked up to for years. There's no BS in the fact that I love his work. Um, his work makes me feel fake as a photographer. And he's an amazing guy um, and an, an amazing Star Wars pizza eating nerd. And that's Brian Manier. Brian Manier, how the heck are you? I'm great, man. Uh, and like you said, I it's so weird. I feel like we've been following each other on social media for years and years now. And so yeah. it's really awesome finally just getting to like hang out with you like this. It's amazing. And now I have your cell phone number, which is seven. No, I'm just kidding. No, uh, it's cool. Now we have <laughs> now we have an excuse to connect. And uh, where where are you based? Where are you based from? Based out of? So I. Yeah, I live – so I'm originally from Ohio, just like middle of nowhere, absolute nowhere. But I currently live just outside of Ann Arbor, Michigan. So I'm kind of in like the Detroit metro area, which isn't exactly conducive for awesome epic landscapes. But I make it work, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean honestly, like your YouTube – I follow your YouTube channel too, just so you know. Like that's how that's how much of a fan oh, awesome. I am. Um, the Frozen Lighthouse, Don't you can't say anything that I don't know. It's kind of like you're the office and I just know every joke – that you have. Um, so I'm excited. Um, in a minute, I'm going to share his website. Maybe I'll do that now. Let's see if I'm cool enough to share my screen. That is not what I want to share. This is what I want to share. All right, look at this work, you guys. This guy's work is freaking bananas. Freaking stupid. Oh, you're too kind, man. No, I mean, I do. I mean, like, I, I can be a kiss ass, but I am not being one at all. Um, like, holy freaking moon, Batman. 
dude like number yeah, one yeah the moon i just you talk I'm just the moon's my jam the moon I, no, no no you're good you're good the moon's kind of like it's weird because like living where i do i kind of had to learn to become a landscape photographer but not having access to the stuff that landscape photographers shoot so i kind of had to find my own unique way and i feel like the one constant through my entire journey has been that I have, I'm just obsessed. I mean, this glowing ball right here behind me is a light that is the moon. Like I'm obsessed with the moon in so many ways. Well, I'm going to need you to teach me. We need to, we need to do a moon course at some point. Maybe we'll co-op and yeah, look at that'd this. Be awesome. I, I just, I actually just went to Arizona and did a Milky Way course. So I'm super, super pumped. Um, yeah. That's so awesome, um, what we're going to do is I'm going to have one of our staff post Brian's, um, website and Instagram. Um, I will say being a super fan of yours, I see a lot more recent work on Instagram. Is that fair? Yeah. I mean, I try to keep my website updated, but I mean, Instagram, I've kind of considered to be my like living portfolio for the past seven or eight years of my, like my journey. So if you want to go real dig, dig into the deep cuts, you're going to see some really, really grade D to F type work and you'll spit, but like, as you scroll up, you see it kind of, you know, evolve and get better and better and better. Oh, but amen. yeah, to be honest with you, like I haven't that's, even, that's real life. That's real <laughs> life even, right there. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's the truth. Cause like, I mean, I started you, pretty much in college. I started photographing people and, you know, via David hobby, like learning how to use off the strobes to do off camera portraits. And like, I was in that world for so long and just found myself getting to a point where, I realized I, I realized I just didn't really like taking photographs of people so much. And I, you know, I, I kind of found out that I was like, I was looking for cool scenes to put a person in and then light them. But like, I was more drawn to the scene than anything else. So then I was just like, why am I even doing this? So I, at the time it was like 2012, 2013. And that's when everybody was writing blogs about, I just quit my full-time job to become a freelancer. And I was like, I'm quitting freelance to get a full-time job just so I could be a landscape photographer and not have to worry about making money from it. <laughs> and so, yeah, I did, I did kind of the backwards approach to everything. Well, no, like I kind of, I value that as a creative, um, you know, like we always tell my students, like, yes, you can be a landscape photographer, but it's going to be more difficult to make money. Um, and that's not me being a jerk. That's me just saying like, Hey, um, you know, you can follow your dreams, but also make sure you have, money in your bank account. Make sure you can pay your mortgage. Um, and my college professor yeah. actually gave me the opposite advice. I took a picture of the Blue Ridge Parkway. It was awesome. And he's like, Rich, that's an amazing picture. You know, it will make that worth money. He said a bride in a wedding dress in, in that scene. I was like, no, I just happened to fall in love <laughs> with weddings too. But like in 2017, when I fell out of love with photography, I hated it. I took no pictures of my kids for a year no pictures for me for a year. My camera was a, was a wrench. It was a scalpel. It was a work tool that I hated. Um, I went to Iceland and took landscape photos to fall back in love with photography. And honestly, probably yep. a big part to you. Like I see your work and I'm like, Frick, why do I not just take my camera out? Cause one thing I love about following you as like a, a personality is like you're, you're hunting, like you're hunting for that photo. You're, you're hunting for the light. Um, like you have your camera and you're like, this is what I want to do, but dark sky. So the weather's going to suck, but I'm going to go do it anyway. Like you don't use any of these excuses that we all give ourselves not to just 
just go take the freaking photo. And then like I see your work and I'm yeah. and you're like, yeah, it's not that great. And I'm like, what the freak, bro? That's so good. <laughs> Thanks, man. I, I do appreciate that because I, I feel like and I always kind of equate it to like I used to be the guy that like I'm driving to work or driving to an appointment or whatever. And I see something and I'd be like, oh, that'd, that'd probably be a pretty cool photo. But like I would keep going. And I'm not that guy anymore. You know what I mean? Like my my punctuality has taken quite a hit. But like even my wife, like she knows if we go anywhere, there's a chance that between our house and our destination, we're going to stop at least two or three times if I see something that catches my eye. But like I do feel like I, I, I was in that same boat, like you said, just kind of like burnout. And, and I think in a lot of ways, not to make this about anything like brand wars, because I think brand wars are dumb, but like the switch from Canon to Fujifilm, like I had this mindset where my Canon DSLRs were like my work cameras. They were like the workhorses for weddings or portraits or whatever. And then when I got my hands on my first little, I got one sitting right here, my first little Fujifilm X100 camera that was just like fixed lens, like tiny little mirrorless camera. And I could just like put it in my pocket and take it anywhere. And then all of a sudden I don't have any excuses not to shoot anymore. Like I can take more than this little tiny. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that was, and and I think, I mean, iPhone in a lot of ways, you know, if you scroll back through my Instagram, you're going to see a lot of iPhone stuff too. But I think I hit a point where Post and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but like post processing is so much of what I love about photography. And at the time, like you couldn't shoot RAWs on an iPhone, like you had a JPEG. And yeah. my once my my kind of post processing hit a certain point, the JPEGs just couldn't hold up, and I just kind of had to stop shooting with my iPhone just because I needed that RAW. I needed you know like different kind of camera functions to be able to shoot the way that I wanted to shoot. Yeah, dude, I love that. And that's the same thing. Like, I love an iPhone. And, like, same thing with drones. Like, I love flying with it, like, taking pictures with a drone. But it's like an iPhone in the sky sometimes. Um, it's just that small sensor really just can limit you. Like, um, I know I know people who have been publishing National Geographic, been publishing books with an iPhone 4. So, like, the camera doesn't matter. But in post-processing, which we'll get into in a minute, um, it makes a difference when you have more data to work with. But – as we were on, yes. as we were starting this phone call, I heard an amazing, funny story, and I've since messaged young David Molnar and told him the story. Um, oh, dude, he said, "Tell him I said hi and that he was a lifesaver." That's what David told me to tell you. It, like it just like clicked in his there mind. There it is. You were. Um, tell us this, David. Yeah. Your first, your first David Molnar memory slash story. Let's let's dive into that for right off the bat. Yeah, yeah, sure thing. Um, so, I mean, I'd been following him for a long time just because I loved his work and everything that he was doing. And we had a mutual friend um, from back in Ohio who was also just a wedding photographer that was crushing it at the time. I've, I've never been the business-minded guy. I'm just, like, the creative. And my friend Brandon, who knew David, was more of the business. And I think he gravitated toward David just because of all that, you know, entrepreneurial kind his of charisma, his spirit. His and beautiful so I, blue eyes. Exactly. Guy, son of a Yes, exactly. And so so I'd known of David and I think I was following him on Twitter and uh, I was living in Dallas, Texas at the time. I think I want to say it was 2011. And I saw I don't remember if I saw David's tweet or if my buddy Brandon saw it and texted me and said, yo, David Molnar's in Dallas and his camera just died. 
and, and he won't, you know, can, is there any way you can help him? And so I was like, heck yeah. Like I just offered up my five D two and I think Brandon gave me his number and I reached out and was just like, Hey man, if you want to come to my apartment, pick it up, like take it, it's yours. And yeah, so I got to meet David Molnar at my apartment in Dallas. He took my five D two and, and then went left. and did his shoot and then brought it back. And just yeah, he took what off. Great, he could have he, he could have stolen brought, it. And he I brought the camera back. He yeah, brought it guy. back. Good yes, guy. he did. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> I don't think my like it would, like you should have been like in pajamas or boxers like that. You just have to add embellish to the story. David has this surf story where he hurt his knee, and every time he tells it, the wave gets bigger. So like that's it, it gets more inappropriate every time you tell a story. Yeah, that's hilarious to me. Um, and I can't even honestly remember like I followed you basically purely out of just liking your work. Like I can't even remember the correlation of how I met you. Um, honestly, it might've, it might've been star Wars and we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, I, I'm not like a mega fan of star Wars. I I'm a fan enough to, I enjoy every time a movie comes out. Yeah, you win. You win. All right. Well, that brings me, that brings me to my most important question. Favorite star Wars film. Oh, Empire Strikes Back, of course. I know it's cliche because everyone says that, but like Empire, I remember specific, I mean, I'm I'm 34, so I don't, I didn't get the privilege of like going and seeing these, the, you know, the, the films in theater or anything, but I specifically remember when I was, pro it was probably 1990, I was four, maybe five, it was 90 or 91, my parents for Christmas got me the Star Wars trilogy like box set on VHS. And I remember watching them for the first time and like being just enamored by everything. And I feel like, cause each one, I mean, obviously like space is the theme, but like, you know, the first one you're kind of in Tatooine, you're in the desert. And then the second one, you, it starts out and you're in Hoth, but then you're in Dagobah, you got all the, the just these different planets and falling in love. And then in, in Jedi, you have um, Endor, which is obviously this like rich forest theme, but like something about, I was, I loved snow as a kid and something about Empire in that, like that first, that whole first sequence of the film was just, I could just watch it on a loop forever. And that's why so, yeah, you moved Empire, to Michigan. That's why you moved to Michigan. So you could be... <laughs> Yeah, so I could be closer to snow, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's funny because I've only seen snow like twenty times in my life, maybe because I live at the beach. It's just something wow. I don't I don't get to see much. Um, when I went to college, it snowed, and then I learned really quickly that nobody from here can drive in the snow. Um, yeah, yeah, dude, that that's awesome. Um, like like I have friends who are like super fans, like you, tattoos all over their body. Uh, I enjoy it. Um, I like J.J. Abrams. He's a I'm a fan of his his movie works, but I'm not gonna like hate on a movie it was entertaining i watched it and it was entertaining for sure um you know i don't think anybody was a super fan of the prequels mm, not so much no i try not to i haven't even showed my my wife keeps asking me like when because i have a five-year-old son so my wife keeps asking me like are we ever like when are we gonna show him those and i'm like i don't want to show him because i feel like they were made for that kind of they were made for that age kid Kids. almost, it mm -hmm. seemed like. So I feel like he's going to like be drawn to that and then I'm going to have to watch it a billion times. And like, it's just, yeah, I don't know. I like, I will say this, and this is probably a controversial opinion a little Ooh. bit. Okay. Obviously like Rogue, Rogue One, Rogue One was amazing. Like mm -hmm. I'm, I'm obsessed with, I've always been obsessed with Darth Vader. So like seeing him in that end scene, just slay Rebels was everything I'd ever wanted from a Star Wars film, to be honest. But uh, Solo. I, I know a lot of people didn't really care for Solo, but Solo watching Solo for the first time in theaters made me feel like I felt when I saw Empire. 
Like it gave me I that thought, same I connection. I thought Woody Harrelson did great. I loved his character. I love Woody's yeah. character. Um, yeah, For sure. I, had no, I had no problem with it. Like I said, I'll enjoy anything because I just like that I lived in a time where there was a new Star Wars like every movie because I'm, I'm 33, so we're like in the same boat as far as to get to see it. But I yeah. named my child after Back to the Future. That's how much of like a pre-my-age movie – my son's name is Marty, and I tried really hard for Marty McFly Coleman, so it didn't happen. There it is. I'm obsessed with Back to the Future as well, so you're in and good that, company. That that might have been it too. Back to the Future is my jam. So, uh, and I think like like people are like like what the hell are you guys talking about? I think us <laughs> as like creative nerdy kids, that's like that's what fueled my creativity for photography. Like if I watch good cinema. Like every time I watch, like it's not even the best movie. Every time I watch Mission Impossible Fallout, the way that it's shot, mm -hmm. I just love it. I'm like, God, that is such a pretty freaking movie that I'm not even paying attention to the acting very much. Like I'm just like – I'm just like kind of in awe with what I see. Um, and that's kind of what yep. Star Wars did for us it sounds like in Back to the Future. It's just like a little bit of fantasy thrown into like a young kid's world to kind of make them creative. And I, I fan that I, I want my kids to have that. So I'm all for it. Yeah, man. I mean, there's no better place for me to look when I'm feeling like creatively stuck or burnout out is to just dive into like films with amazing cinematography, because I feel like, I mean, I, I can remember the last time I was walking through the Detroit airport and I saw this like particular painting on the wall and it was a weird painting, but just the color palette, I was like, Oh man, that's like, that's a color palette I want to use in one of my photos. So I snapped the photo of it just to uh, like yeah, remember that. Yeah. yeah. And it's the same thing with film and cinema stuff. Like I, my, one of my favorite podcasts is team Deacons, it's Roger Deacons podcast. And he just interviews, you know, up and coming filmmaker type people or cinematographers and just hearing that kind of perspective and, and care that they put into, you know, setting up a scene or lighting a scene like that stuff just oh it drives me. It, I nerd out so hard oh, on that stuff. Dude, that, like so we, we hired a guy that worked the beautiful Chris Ellison. Um, he went to NYU film school and like when we hired him, like our our courses that we make just looked better. Like, yeah, I can cut and make a course mm -hmm. as a photographer, but he just makes it sexy. So it's just it's just really fun. Um, but we do have a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people on here that love your work. So let's segue into the astronaut photo stuff. You can talk about your Star Wars sure. lighting stuff. And one thing that um, people ask me questions, I do a, a thing on some Fridays called Tech Talk where they ask me questions. Mm -hmm. And I saved all of the filters, all of the ND, all of the gradient fill. I saved all that for here, right here, baby. So awesome. I guess first kind of like run down because you're, you're an oddball. You are a Fuji shooter. I'm gonna call you an oddball. Yep. I love you. Uh, go through. Proud of it. Proud. Go, of you go through what's in your camera bag, and then we'll talk a little bit about ND filters, so we have that covered, and then just a little bit about landscape. And as you talk about landscape stuff, I'll kind of filter through some of your photos. Sounds good. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, I'm gonna preface my camera bag by saying it's a little different now than it has been. I will say the vast majority of my career, I have been shooting with like an X, X series camera. So like an APS-C, Fujifilm doesn't have full frame cameras. So they have APS-C cameras and then they have medium format cameras. They looked at the full frame market and were like, 
we don't need to go there. Um, so the majority of the stuff that you're going to see from me, like if you're looking back at my portfolio, is shot on an X-T1, an X-T2, an X-T3. And I still carry an X-T4 in my camera bag. If you watch any of my YouTube videos, they're shot on a Fujifilm X-T4 camera. Um, but in the past uh, five, three to five months, I got my hands on their brand new flagship uh, medium format camera. It's called the GFX 100S, and it is a 100 and, 102 megapixel medium format camera that has sensor stabilization, and it is just an absolute beast. So, now, is that, are you an ambassador? The majority, you got that before, like people could yeah. get it. Yes. Yeah. So like I've been an ambassador for Fujifilm since 2014 or 2015. And so, yeah, one of the, the, the best perks about being an ambassador is sometimes you'll get picked for kind of like a, a launch project. Um, and so they'll send you a pre-production camera that you can't talk about that has a code name. It makes you feel all awesome and stuff. And then you get to shoot content with it. And then your content is like what gets released for the launch is what like makes people want to buy the cameras. So that was like the GFX 100S project. I've worked on a lot of project with projects with Fujifilm. That was like by far like the tippy top of anything that I've ever done with them. And it was your, your freaking work makes amazing. Me hate, your work makes me hate you as a human. Just so you know that. Like I love you, but I hate you. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. you. Thank you. Um, but yeah, man, I, no, I appreciate that very much. And I mean, honestly, my my whole thing with an, a, like a kind of approach to landscape photography, obviously, like as a landscape photographer, the pinnacle for me is, you know, for the GFX 100S, getting to travel to Arizona and do like just a five day solo road trip around Arizona to my favorite spots or going to California or going to Egypt. I mean, my Photography has taken me just all over the world. It's amazing. But like the one thread that I think is consistent if you look at my work is I am based in Michigan, which really, unless I'm driving three hours to the coast to shoot lighthouses or four hours north to shoot sand dunes, like there's not a lot around me. And so what's kept me kind of going, the constant thread through it all is this kind of like daily, always having a camera with me, always trying to hunt, as you said earlier, hunt for the right light. Or, I mean, on my watch, my Apple watch, I have a, the complicate or the, the face that I use the most has like, you know, golden hour times. It has the moon, current moon phase. Like I'm, I'm constantly thinking about that stuff and like what's coming the next moon phase for, you know, something that I want to shoot. And a lot of the time, like as much as I want to say, like I plan, I like to plan in advance. A lot of times, like I'm just burnt out for a day, like going through my normal work day. Cause I am not a full-time photographer. We didn't talk about that. I have a full-time job as a graphic designer. So like any photography stuff that you see from me, I do kind of outside of my normal full-time job, which complicates things a little bit. But, um, all that to you gotta say, pay for, you gotta pay for the like, kids, man. I get it. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. And I, I haven't, I mean, I'm just being completely honest. Like people reach out to me all the time and they're like, I want to be like you. They see my feed and they're like, I just want to be like a travel landscape photographer. And I'm like, you, I'm not the person to talk to. Cause like I, I do, I am lucky that I have the relationship with Fujifilm and, and you know, I'm a capture one ambassador. So I have some, some like, uh, things that I can leverage into projects that do, I can make money from, but for the vast majority of what I do, it's like a passion project. It's just because I love going out and shooting landscape photos. Yeah, I mean, and you've had you've had a heck of a like your your clients. I'm looking it up because I wrote it down earlier. 
um, like your clients include Fuji, um, Capture One, Narbox, Budweiser, Avis, GMC, OnStar, Vanguard. Like you have had like at any level of like success, like, you know, like you, you have, like you have the notoriety, you have the success. Um, but like one thing, like I tell our students like all the time, and this is kind of like a raw, real moment. And I apologize if it hurts anybody's feelings. Brian's wise enough to realize like this thing I love can't give me as much money that my family needs. Um, and that's yeah. something that like I just dove into shooting what I didn't necessarily love, love like weddings. Like that's what everybody does. They dive into portraits or weddings, even though that, that doesn't feed my soul. It actually kind of like weighs on my soul after a while. Um, I just love the, the fact that you're wise enough to be like, I don't want to lose the fun. I don't want to lose yeah. like the passion, but I still want to make, you know, and it's cool making, making side money from photography can be great. Um, you know, figuring yeah, out how to monetize, sure. how to sell, um, you, you like talk about that. Like, how does that work in your world? Like making money from landscape photography? I mean, the majority of the money that I make is usually like licensing photos, you know, like, so, it, you know, for this, this particular, um, the, we'll just talk about the last project that I did, the GFX 100S launch project for Fujifilm, right? They approached me and said, Hey, we have this camera. Like we want you to be a part of the launch because we, you know, we like your style. We know that you can deliver, um, you know, how much for X amount of images delivered by X amount of date sort of thing. Um, so a lot of what I do is like licensing photos. Um, but I don't do, I don't do a ton of that. Um, it's kind of few and maybe once or twice a year, I'll license some photos to capture one to use for something. I've like one of the craziest things is, um, capture one cat. So version we're on version 21 now capture one version 20, like the splash screen that came up for capture one version 20 was a moonshot that I had. So for like a year, people would DM me like, yo, look like a picture of their screen. And that was like the craziest experience just having oh, yeah. like worldwide my image, you know, blasted on. Uh, everybody's computer screen that uses uses Capture One Pro software. But yeah, I mean, that's, you know, I've kind of gotten away from a lot of those that you listed, like Budweiser, Avis, like GMC, those are those were more like kind of almost influencer type gigs where, you know, I, I could kind of monetize the fact that I have a few followers on my Instagram account or, you know, so I, as I've kind of shifted and kind of changed the way that I do things, Back to what you said, like you said, being smart enough to know that, like, you know, maybe the passion isn't going to fund, then I have to have a full time job. Reality. Like, it's very yeah. true. Exactly. But in that same vein, like, I don't like feeling like I have to sell my soul just to make a little bit of money. So I think what the full time job allows me is, like, I don't have to do a project that I don't believe in, but is maybe going to make me a thousand dollars. Like, I'm, I'm just not, I'm not here for that stuff. And I know, I know a lot of influencers that make their money that way. And that's great. Like they do what they, but I don't know. There's just something about me. Maybe it's, I have, I have like the traditional Midwestern type mindset where it's hard for me. I don't know. It's just hard for me to be like a, a outspoken loud person about anything that I don't necessarily use or oh, like yeah. truly believe in. Oh, that's so the hardest. Like I've student, never students are like, what do you think of this? And I'm like, I've never used it. I can't like, no, you don't need to calibrate yeah. your lens because I've never done it. You know what I mean? Like, just like, I'm just being honest. Like, yeah. don't get mad at me for, be, like, I'm, we're trying to help you. I'm actually trying to help you. Sure. 
Um, dude, you're so, who, where did you get this yeah. little model? I'm looking at the picture of the, uh, like, where'd you get this little two, three foot model for the spaceman suit? I made him. Oh yeah, you did. <laughs> that, well, that, that looks like yeah, you and your my, boy. That's my that's little sweet. guy. That's awesome. Yeah, man. That it's, it's funny that, so the, the first, that kind of spacesuit project and going back, to, I feel like everything we've talked about even though it wasn't necessarily planned, kind of ties in because so much of that, like being a Star Wars nerd, like, I mean, I feel like every kid our age wanted to grow up and be an astronaut, right? Like every kid was like, I want to go to space camp. I want to be an astronaut. Um, So much of that is still like in me. And I feel like having a kid, there's something that I realized and it was kind of, it happened during the pandemic last year. Thankfully, like my wife and I both lucky enough that we could just work from home. So we're spending like infinitely more family time. Um, My son has been in daycare since he was old enough to be in daycare. My wife and I both work full time. So like it it started weighing on me like two, three years into, you know, him growing up that like, man, he's spending so much more time with other people than with us. You know, we get like evenings and weekends, but it always just so the pandemic for us was kind of awesome like a a wake-up like obviously yeah yeah, but obviously like tragic crazy like we lost close family members but but for us personally like getting to be together more and spend more time together i started seeing like holy crap i'm like i'm getting to experience as like a father my son experiencing things for the first time but like things that i know i like watching like a Transformers cartoon. I was obsessed with Transformers when I was a little kid. But like I don't remember me first watching Transformers, but I'm watching him doing it and then remembering like, oh, I had that same. So anyway, all of that to say like the the pandemic like just crushed me in an emotional way to want to both like spend more time with my son, encourage him more in like his creativity, but also like, you know, like kind of cultivate that and bring him along and use him in my stuff. So like this this astronaut series that I kind of discovered, um, the very first of the series, I have it hanging, you can't see it, but I have it hanging as a canvas right above my desk. Um, I, I woke up one morning, it was in, I think it was October of last year, woke up, I, and this has never happened to me before, but woke up like having had a vision of like a photo that I wanted to take. And I was like, I want to take that. I wonder if I can go take that today. Um, And I I just had this vision of like him blurred out in the foreground in his astronaut suit and then like the moon overhead in focus. So kind of like playing with depth of field that way. Something totally different from like my traditional landscape work, Um, even though obviously I take pictures of the moon all the time. And so I ran downstairs. I was like, dude, get your costume on. It was like right at sunrise. Let's let's go, let's go out and see if we can try to get this. Like everything lined up perfectly. Like the moon was there, but it was low enough in the sky. There were, there was not a single cloud. So like the sun was coming up and it's, he's got like a perfect little sun reflection in his visor. And so, but all of that is like creativity and fatherhood and just all just waves of stuff is hitting me. And so, yeah, now I have this series where I'm kind of like exploring this traveler as I call him, um, just kind of like, through the world, like seeing him experience all these new things and me getting to experience, it's just, it's more than I could ever possibly explain. Like it's more meaningful to me than I could ever make it make sense. But it's been so much fun and also really hard because everybody, everybody that's a dad is like, 
yo, dude, I can't, my kid will not even pose for me. I'm like, oh, you should see the B-roll, like, of him, like, <laughs> freaking out and kick, drop-kicking his helmet because he's fed up with me trying to take pictures of him. But, yeah. Yeah. I know that. I have two. I have a nine-year-old and a five-year-old, so I totally, totally get it. Uh, my son, my, funny, my five-year-old's like, dad, like, I was, he was doing the leaf blower yesterday, and he was so cute, and I would hit him right in the face with it, and I pull out my phone to, like, just put it on Instagram. He's like, no, dad. Like, he's just like, it's not even camera shy. He just kind of gets pissed at me. He's like, no. And I'm like, okay, yep. I'll yep. take this moment in, you know, breathe it all in. And my friend Nick McLean said, bad, badass cinematographer, great guy. Um, he told me, he like, because we were, like, doing a shoot, and he's like, sometimes you have to put the camera down and just take it in. Like, sometimes you have to put the camera yep. away and, then like, have the moment. Um, so that's something I always fall back to. Um just because, like, I want to capture the moment, and then I'm thinking about the edit, and then, like, I'm I'm literally missing the moment a lot of the time because I'm thinking yeah. about it too much. And he just taught me to, like, slow your ADD self down and just, like, enjoy the rest of the sunset. Get a shot and then put your camera away. Um, and when I was in Arizona yep. three weeks ago, I mean, it was hot. It was, like, 115 degrees, but I could see the Milky Way neck, like, just naked eye out there. And mm-hmm. I'd be laying on the ground trying not to think about spiders and I'm just like taking it in, like I'm doing like a you know 30 second exposure or letting the Ellen Chrome do like a slide move, um, and we, I, I, it was cool to have moments like that where we were just taking it in. It was, it's super fun. Uh, but before yep. we lose anybody, let's talk about your filter system. Are you a filter? Do you have a favorite yeah. filter system? What, what do you use? Yeah, I've bounced around a lot, and I feel like the 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 right now I have an H and Y filter system. Um, and that's what I've been using the most recently because it's magnetic. So rather than like having slots to slide things in and like being afraid that things are going to fall out when you're switching, they all just like kind of, I can literally just like throw it and it snaps right in Are you an affiliate with So that's been really nice. I'm not, no. So not pre-pandemic, I had like like five phone calls with them. And then like when the pandemic hit, they just kind of like stopped completely. So like I was almost an H&Y guy. I never even held one. Like I just wanted one to to have. So that's, yeah. that's encouraging for me yeah. to hear you say that it means a lot. Yeah, I really like them. And I feel like the big, the biggest thing with filters. So I've used, I've used H and Y now before H and Y I used Nissi filters. I really like Nissi. And then before them I use format high tech before them I use Lee. So I've kind of like run the gamut. Um, and I think what it comes down to with filters is it sucks to have to spend so much on them, but like you're usually paying a premium for just like better or less color cast, you know, just the way that the filters are coded and used, like the more expensive they are, it means they use better coatings, which means you aren't going to get like purpley blue nonsense. You have to like, Oh dude, I I took, I took a cheap filter, a cheap piece of glass to Iceland. It it was cool. It was cool. But like the purple cast I got was just brutal. Like it slowed the shutter down, but it was just not, it, it wasn't satisfying in camera or to edit it. You know what I mean? It's kind of like shooting Sony. Right. I just had to go in there and color correct everything. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, like half yeah, it's, it's just I mean, it's, Sorry. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, no, but I mean, it is true. It's frustrating, especially for me, because like so much of what I love about filters is I don't do so much. I shoot waterfalls. I love waterfalls, but I don't shoot a ton of waterfalls. So filters for me are more getting those perfect cloud conditions, you know, where you're blurring the clouds in a unique way over something. Um, and so to me, having the the most like 
neutral of a filter is kind of better because then you're not having to like, I I've just, I've done so much post work with crappy filters and it's so unbelievably annoying to try to dial it in. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I love filters. I've been using filters for so long. Yeah. I love it. And like, I'm one of those guys, I'm like such a running gunner and I'm not like intentionally shooting landscapes. Like, like I, I think the mindset of you and the mindset of me is so different um, that I really, 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 really have to slow down to go do a, a landscape shoot. Um, I'm so used to being like, well, I'll just, I'll fix it in post. Like I have that mindset where it's so much easier if you have the right tools up front. Um, so maybe talk yeah. to that. Maybe talk about like your mindset of getting the right shot. Like we already talked about how you're a hunter and you hunt for it, but like what, what do you mentally do to get the right landscape shot? You know, I think a lot of this has changed for me over the years because I definitely came from a place of like what you're talking about, like just being when I first started traveling and going to all these places that like I've wanted to go to go to when I went to the Yosemite for my first time, I was just like, I don't even I just shooting every just yeah everything I could see because it's like I don't even know when I'm going to come back here again. Um, And I I think now like I'll take my last trip to Arizona, for instance, just because it's like kind of my most recent big trip. I, I mean, I spent months planning out like which spots I wanted to go to, um, researching those spots. Cause a lot of like, a lot of what I do as a photographer is trying to just try, I, I don't know. There's something about me that the, the one reason I've never gone to Iceland is because I feel like everybody, every landscape photographer goes to Iceland and gets yep. the same shots of Skogafoss and it's like, there's no other way to shoot it. You just go. So like, that's always a part of me is like, who cares? Like just go and then don't ever share the photos. And then part of me is like, yeah, but I've seen it a million times before. So I always fight internally with that. So like a lot of what I do when I'm going anywhere is I, you do the research and you see what other people are doing that way, when you go there, you can try to get a unique and obviously that doesn't always work out. Like there's only so many places you can go in the Grand Canyon to take like a unique. Everybody takes the same photos of the Grand Canyon. You know, you can just hope for like different kind of light or weather conditions. Yeah. Um, so I think planning goes a long way. Like, I mean, I had my trip to Arizona because I was solo. I was there by myself and, you know, I had a certain amount of days. I planned out spots and then like if this one was going to go like you always kind of plan for the clouds to come in and screw up your entire plan. And then so if that happens, then you have like a plan B of this and then like kind of a plan C. So I'm kind of an over planner when it comes to getting there. But then when I'm there, I don't have to spend time thinking about it. Like I kind of have already gone through. I love Google. I love looking at the um, the Google Earth app. The, the Google Earth Mac, Mac application because you can go down and it has terrain. So like one of the places that I went in um, in Arizona, the first place I went to is called Watson Lake. It's it's near it's in or near Prescott, Arizona, and I'd never been there before. But it looked cool from just all the photos that I'd seen of it. So I was like, I'm gonna check this place out. I go into Google Earth and I'm like, okay, if I can get here, I know the parking lot's here, so I can get down at the street view level and see like the terrain and how the mountains are gonna layer together and stuff. So I think the more that you can do to kind of prepare yourself, the less you're just running around frantically, frantically shooting everything. Um, and I think so. Yeah. And so while it's not necessarily bad to run around and shoot everything, like that's fine. I feel like it's a natural progression, but for the most part now, when I go to a place, I'm looking for like that one composition. It's intentional. 
Yeah. It's like that's film. Doing it's it like, it's me, like right? film day. In the film yeah. days, you know, you had you know, 24 shots and every one of those shots was intentional. You were like, I hope it right. came out. And yeah. I, I love but that. Then also, I love that. David Monar taught me that approach to photography. He was like, quit spraying and praying, dude. Like, yeah. think about your shot. It's it's it goes so much further. It's hard to get there. It's hard to get into that mindset because you're afraid of like like you're gonna miss something. But I think, like I said, it's kind of a natural progression as you get and, and everybody's different, obviously, right? Like nobody's gonna go to the same spot as me and have the same kind of vision of the final product. Um, and I, I, but I think I, so much I'm gonna of what I do something, now, I'm gonna tell you something raw and real. When you take a group of students out, like my students, to do something. And then like a couple of them get better shots than you because they're thinking different than you. You're like, frick. Like, like you're proud, but yeah. you're like, dang, like we're all in the same place and they just thought different or used a different piece of equipment. And at the same spot, sure. get, like you're the, the, the photographer, the picture happens here. Um, mm-hmm. And that, that, and I love your intentional approach. Cause like we, we I just got back from Arizona um, to film a Milky Way course and we scouted out, looked at, weather indexes and the first three days were there cloudy 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 at about seven o'clock at night full cloud coverage uh, to the point where two of our guys filming it left to go home and me and one of the video guys stayed and it worked out perfectly but like literally two two of the four on the team never saw the milky way and we were there for they were there for three days so like the trailer that i made for this course is like it's like really profound it's like so you want to do this thing you want to film this thing you can't see with your eyes um you have to change flights you have to check the weather check the weather again and it's just kind of like i want to take you through the emotional experience that you have to go through to get the shot sometimes um yeah your neighbor photographer that's the best in town might get lucky here and there but if you have the intentional mindset of getting the picture like brian does every single time it's going to show in your work and I, I would say like that's your style. It's in, it's intentional as hell. Um, like if, if you had to describe your work to people that have never seen it, like what would you say? Um, I mean, I, I feel like I, I tend to overuse that kind of like atmospheric because like that to me captures what I'm trying to do is just like give somebody an emotional response when they see a picture. You know what I mean? Like that's really what I want because I want people to see kind of – my like what I was seeing when I was capturing this moment, right? Um, so I think a lot, so much of what I do has to deal with like the lighting and the like the perfect clouds or the perfect amount of fog or you know that kind of stuff. So I think intentionality is definitely a word I would use, but I think also just like just preparation, you know what I mean? Like just being because like there have been times when I've been out and like my intentionality gets me to a point and it just doesn't really work out how I wanted it to. But the fact that I'm there and I'm prepared to adapt and find something else, um, you know, might mean the difference between me, like getting a crappy shot that I had planned for that just didn't work out or getting a better shot because I could adapt in the moment. And I think Mm. so much of that goes back to the being prepared, always having a camera with you, always shooting because like, you know, I know, I know guys that'll go like five months at a time without picking up their camera and then they go out to shoot and they're just kind of like, I don't even know where to start. I feel like constantly, it's like exercise, right? When you're constantly in that zone of shooting, this is totally different. But I remember the very first engagement shoot. This is before I had like cut off all weddings and stuff. I remember the very first engagement shoot that I shot 
after like a year of Instagramming every day, always shooting, it was so easy. Even people, I was just like, yeah, just stand over there, pose this way. I, I was seeing compositions everywhere. Mm -hmm. And it was all due to the fact that I was just like, your brain is constantly looking for that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, Repetition. for sure. That's how like trained and untrained that like I, I say it all the time, that, that sniper in the Marines isn't any smarter than you. He just puts a thousand rounds down a week. And that makes him, that gives perceived right. intelligence. He's not any smarter than you. He just has done it a lot. Um, all right, I have one question yep. from Carol Fulton. Carol, I, I'm not going to forget you because Autumn's yelling at me. Do you combine polarizing filters with the ND gradient filters? Like how do you stack your filters or do you? Yeah, so I do sometimes. And this is where it kind of, it kind of comes down to like, like what you're shooting and what your intention is, right? I feel like most everything that, Traditionally, you needed like a grad filter for like to even out an exposure in a landscape. We can all we can do that in post now for the most part. Like the only times I use a grad filter are to balance out the exposure, but also when I'm capturing like longer exposures. So if I'm I have a couple like a 10 stop and a six stop and then a grad filter where I'm capturing a lot of movement like that's when I'll use a grad filter, but I'll never just throw a grad filter on and walk around and shoot just so my exposures are balanced because it's just so so much easier and efficient to do it in post now. Mm -hmm. um, back to polarizers, it's the same thing. Polarizers to me, I don't ever use to like make the sky bluer or deeper or whatever because I can literally just take the luminance slider and go doop and yeah. then it's done. To me, I use a, a polarizing filter when I'm shooting a waterfall and you have, you know, usually when you're shooting a waterfall, there's a lot of like cover and sky and so there's reflections in the water. So I use a polarizing filter in that situation to like really get the reflections right in the water or reduce them to almost a point of where they're gone, but you can still kind of see them for the texture. Um, and in that case, I would, you know, my, my, the filter system I use, I wish I had it. I don't have it with me, but the filter system that I use now. And then the one that I use prior, the Nissi and the H and Y both have the ability to screw a polarizer into the actual filter holder itself so that you can have it and then put your NDs on after the fact. Um, so I've never done just like a, put a polarizer on the end of your lens and then screw like an ND filter on. I, I use drop-in filters now just because it's so much more flexibility and usually the quality is a little higher. You get a, you tend to get a lot more vignetting on circular screw-in filter NDs um, and I think it's just like it's kind of like a limitation of the technology. Um, whereas where you, when you have like a big, like I use a hundred millimeter filter system, which means, you know, my filters are hundred millimeters wide that it just, there's just so much more glass, um, that you can, I think I have, I have a, gra I have a grad right here. So like, this is a graduated ND, but it's a hundred, hundred millimeters wide, but like my lens is only ever getting in the center. Yeah, there you go. Rich has got one. Um, you know, I, I feel like the circular filters, the reason that you have vignetting is just because you're pushing the, the filter to its absolute like optical limit on the lens, especially when you're shooting really wide lenses. So, you know, right up at those edges, you're always going to get a little more vignetting just because of the way that the circular filters are made. Hopefully that answers your questions. Yeah, I, well, I, dude, I, I, I'd say, do you, do you use an indie filter all the time? I, I just, like if you're going to go out and shoot an epic sunset with like a tree in the foreground, what are you putting on? What's your go-to? What's your thought process? 
it depends. Like I, I would say I use ND filters like ten percent of the time when I'm shooting. Okay. Um, you know, the only reason I I would do that is if if I got there, the clouds are awesome. Like you know they kind of have that rim lighting and there's some color starting to form, and I notice that the clouds are either like coming at if, say I have a tree in my scene if the clouds are like coming at me or going away or any kind of like diagonal variation I might pop a 10 stop or layer a 10 and a 4 and have 14 stops and try to shoot a long exposure because I feel like the, the perpendicular movement coming in is great but when you get like or not perpendicular sorry when you get kind of just a side to side movement of clouds in long exposure, it just doesn't work very well. Everything's very linear, and the co composition it, like it never smear. tends. It kind of just looks like a smear. Yes, I agree. Yes. Like I use exactly. ten, I use ten a lot in Iceland just because there's so many people at some spots that I could dis I could disappear mm -hmm. them with a ten stop. Um, yes, yeah, so that's good. Yeah. And I, like I said, I don't use them. Like I, it's really cool for me to hear you say ten percent because I always feel like because that's one of those things. Like people will get like gear heavy. Like I remember being in Iceland, I'll see like this like grandpa with like so much stuff, and I'm like frick. It just make like I get gear envy. No, I, feel I, like, I feel incompetent. I'm like, here I am with my lightweight tripod because I wanted to save space. Sure, sure. You know? Sure. No, I think for me, I mean, the only reason I always have my ND filter set with me just in case, right? I want to be able to make sure that I can get what I want if if I have them, just because you never really know what the clouds are gonna do. And clouds to me are so much of what I use ND filters for. But like, if I, as far as like exposures and stuff go, like. I, I just bracket like I just bracket everything most of the time like I use bracketing more as a technique than using ND filters so right said, and so said, instead of using like he's taking multiple exposures of the same thing and then yeah. merging them together in Lightroom or yep um the one you love camera yeah Not, no capture capture, capture one, one doesn't have Capture oh. One doesn't have exposure exposure blending. So, oh. yeah. So, tech, typically what I'm doing is, yes, either in – I don't use Lightroom. I use Adobe Camera Raw, Bridge and Camera Raw, and bring them into Photoshop, and then I'll kind of mask them together using luminosity masks. Yeah. Um, so, I'll do it that way or – yeah. So, really the only thing that I'm using filters for are – long exposures during the day with cloud movement or like waterfall stuff. Yeah. So, and that's it. Otherwise, well, like I, I went, rarely have an Indian. Well, I went to Arizona. I got this KN, uh, KNF concepts. Have you heard of them yet? Mm -hmm. I am blown away. I have, yeah, I have one of their adapters. So it, it blows me away. Like I'm always like, cause we have like 3000 students and I'm like, I don't want them to buy, you know, a $400 lease system and only have one piece of glass. You know, what I mean, like you're going to spend a grand on a Lee filter system, and I'm, I've been Lee for years. I still have all my Lee glass, but when I went on this trip, I intentionally I just took KNF's stuff, and it blew me away. Mm -hmm. Now there are some color corrections that you have to do with their glass, but their ten stop filter was just as good as my stupid expensive Lee ten glass, like ten stop filter. Um, so you're getting into like, yes, is the Nessie good? Yes, it's great. Um, it's just kind of like, number one, I've never used it. So I'd, I really don't like saying I want to use something. I like use something that I've never tried. But anything that this guy sure. just told you to use, you you get the Rich Coleman seal of approval. You could go out and buy it today, okay? We need to do a trip together. Yeah, Brad, I think Brad Stoops, you're right. We need to do a trip together, me and you. just to Dude, I'd love that. A David, Mo David Molnar-funded trip. Let's do it. I'm in. That'd be amazing. 100%. Um, that sounds awesome. And yeah, I mean, honestly, like when, when people come to me first to talk about NDs, I just tell them to find like a cheap screw in 10 stop 
whatever you can find that doesn't break your bank just to try it because that's going to give you a starting point of whether you're going to want to go further or you're just going to be like, yeah, this isn't for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like so before you, you go and spend a thousand dollars and then it stays on your bookshelf, spend a little bit of money yep. and see if you'll use it. And that's why I, I really, I'm really happy with right. them. I'm going to play with them more. Um, so yeah, dude, I'm super pumped. You're here. We're definitely going to have to have you back. Um, if you're down, we'll definitely do like a little trip where we can record. I'll, I'll film some, some stuff for you that you can shoot for uh, Fuji. Just our, our, our video Heck team yeah. is badass. Um, so if you're down Love for, a, if you're down for a co-op trip where we're both having fun, um, I'm in and always, I'm super excited, but what we want to do is we're going to do a giveaway. Um, so we're going to do a giveaway. I'm actually going to text you the winner so you can announce okay. it. So, you know, it's not like, holy, holy, I messed up. There it is. All right. Check your email and I have your phone number now. So I'm going to call you every night. <laughs> That's perfect. The winner of the one terabyte portable SSD is drumroll, Rich. Therese Weeblehouse. Weeblehouse. Weeble. Weeblehouse. Weeble one house. terabyte hard drive at your house. You won just for Boom. fun. One of these. Yeah, they're sweet. Sandisk is the best. That's awesome. Is that what you use in your Fuji? Are you a Sandisk guy? Oh, yeah. Definitely a SanDisk guy. Actually, well, no, I've kind of been switching for SSDs. I've kind of been switching to ProGrade a little okay. bit, but I'm between SanDisk and ProGrade. But like for as far as SSD goes, do you know that's that? My do you know that SanDisk is owned by Western Digital? Did you know that? I did. Yes, but I will not. I will not buy anything Western Digital brand. I had some failures Ooh. a while ago, and I'm just. You killed I'm it. a Seagate guy, and then a SanDisk. Ah, guy. you and David. See, I'm Western. I had a Seagate fail. I'm on, I'm on the opposite end of that spectrum. It, it, it literally, everybody's got a bad taste somewhere, yes. and I feel like it's just random. It's it take, all random. It takes all just kinds. have multiple yeah. backups on backups. Oh, uh, yeah. That's, that's what the guy, um, Will, he told us how to backup our stuff because, um, like, we're, we're a Synology company. We have Synology everything, um, yep. which is bad. Amazing stuff. Uh, but here's the thing. What I want to do is I want everybody to go on here and follow Brian right here. You can follow his Instagram here. Give him some love. And in the comments, tell, my, tell me how much you enjoyed um, this podcast because this is how i want to do podcasts in the future just bring in like my my superstars my heroes and just kind of go from there i love it dude this was so much fun i didn't even feel like it was a podcast i just felt like we were hanging we're out talking. talking that's so. the point i like man every now and then we'll get a guest that's like so nervous i'm like dude like i didn't i didn't email you questions because i want this to be raw real and i just want to help our students and you did that you answered questions there was no cloud of mystery um we just want to have fun, and I want to. I want you to be around more. So that's my goal for you. Sweet, yeah, man, I'm down. I love it. I love this stuff. I love talking to people, and I love teaching. When I don't feel, I don't feel like I am qualified to teach, but I when I do it, I really enjoy it. So You're qualified. Um, I'm qualified. Yeah, you. that I was love, that was me. I didn't work for David for years because I was like, dude, you just had Jeremy Cowart come do something. Why the frick would you want me there? Like, I'm like, dude, no. Like I can't yeah. like I, I hang around like at like around a cigar circle with David and like Zach Gray and like all these heroes of mine. I'm like, nope, I shouldn't be doing that. But David's taught me how to teach um, a little bit over the years. And That's awesome. I'm, I, it's super, super soul giving to me because I just remember like crying when the IRS called me, like not being able to make rent. Like I just remember having all these pain points. 
that I'm trying to make our students not go through. And I'm not a landscape professional, so that's why I brought you here because you're you're the most landscape you're the most BA landscape photographer we will ever have on this podcast. I don't think that's true, but I appreciate that you said it. It's true. (laughs) If you loved him and like his work, follow him. Um, I'm gonna go through and like every picture again on my all all four of my Instagram accounts just to show you some love. (laughs) Um, Autumn, can you post Autumn? Can you post a link to where that hard drive is? Post a link that I sent you earlier so that you guys can all go and buy a one terabyte hard drive. It'll be the best hundred and something dollar investment you'll ever spend. It's fast AF and you'll never want to use a spinning Pretty hard sure drive. Pretty sure it's anymore. waterproof too. Yeah, you could like throw it around. Like well, you can I saw submerge the ad, it. Like it, and had, it's like, it was work. like carabiner to a backpack. Yeah, nobody don't do that because you probably like you it could fall like the carabiner could break and then you're out of hard drive. So don't yes. do that. But like it does have a loop if you want to. <laughs> I mean that's the I had you know what I did though? Here's here's a great a great point that you can do for the click this um, link and buy one. It's the worth little, it. Click it, click it, buy it right now. The, this little loop, get an air tag and put it on this little loop, and then that way you always know where your hard drive is. Dude, it's so funny you say that. I have a brevity backpack. Like um I love this. This is like my running gun backpack. I love it. We give we've probably given away fifty of these. Uh, but there's a little teeny pocket awesome. right here that like your passport, like this is where my mask lives. Yeah. Um, and I nice. put my freaking SSD in there and then I lost it for like five days. It was just in there. Ugh. And it's like the only thing nice. I don't have an air tag on. I've got like nine air tags and just not yeah. on a hard drive. And I, um, gaff yep. taped, I gaff taped one to it now. Literally just gaff taped to a hard drive. That's smart. Yeah. No, I thought I lost this guy one time because it was pre well, I had a tile on it for a long time, but air tags are better. But no, yes, I it I thought it I thought I was getting out of the car and it like somehow fell out onto the ground, but it just like wedged its way down into my wife's seats and it but it took me like 3 days to find it. I was terrified. Horrified. Luckily, I had everything backed up, but it was like there was like over the course of like 3 spinning hard drives and I was like frick. Like it'd be so much easier to like I use yeah. that I use that almost exclusively to get stuff off my laptop if I, cause I love working at a coffee shop to my iMac. Um, and dude, have you, man, we, you're a nerd too. We need to have you on more dude. The M one chip on these new iMacs. I have the M one Mac mini beside me. I have an M one MacBook pro over here. And then I have the M one iPad as well because I, I am you. a graphic designer. So like I have, my, I didn't buy all this stuff. I am not rich by any means, people. My company bought me the M1 MacBook Pro, and then I bought the Mac Mini and the iPad Pro. But yeah, M1 chip is ridiculous. Sorry to be all Apple. I've been all Apple since before it was cool. It's always been cool, but since, yeah, there's no shame in whatever, but we should give away some AirTags next week. Anyway, I'm sorry. We're going to let you guys go, That those of you on your lunch break. <laughs> Uh, Brian, thank you for being here. Show him some love on Instagram. Let him know that you were here, and we'll go back and check the comments. Um, thanks so much, man. I appreciate you. Thank you. This was awesome. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. I uh, hope you slide in my DMs. So, there it is. All right, we'll see you guys. We love you. Please subscribe on iTunes or Spotify so you never miss out on news and events. Give us a rating on iTunes or simply tell a friend about us. It helps us get the word out so we can help more people reach their photography goals.